This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Sometimes the world's greatest miracles happen by accident. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 319, Failed Experiments, is brought to you by Milton's Brussels Sprouts. They'll give you a big head. Pete, before we dive on into tonight's episode, let's just give some scheduling updates here. Uh, if you've been listening to our Daredevil podcast uh, in a couple days on Thursday, we will be dropping the uh, the season two wrap-up episode for that. Of course, Thursday is also when we will be going to uh, see Captain America Civil War. So we'll be podcasting that uh, over the weekend. Uh, we'll be talking about what comes after our S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast soon. I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll give a hint next week. Um, but just want everybody to uh, circle another date on their calendar, that of Monday, May 16th, uh, in the evening, probably the late evening. That's when uh, ABC renewals will be determined. That's when... Um, that's when producers will be getting the phone calls ahead of the uh, presentation to uh, media buyers on uh, Tuesday the 17th. So when we podcast the S.H.I.E.L.D. finale, we'll have updated info as to the future of Marvel's Most Wanted, if that's going to series, and uh, the future for Agent Carter, if that is uh, stopping being a series. Still hoping on a uh, little Netflix miracle miracle on the ladder there. So time will tell. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser, Matt, takes place in the jungle, a warrior running through here, hunting, bags himself a boar, but what's that sound? Pete, it's the sound of life in the hills of Southern California, which apparently is where <laughs> ancient Aboriginal man lived. Um, also, I, you know, I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure I saw a house in the background, and I'm not kidding, but I, I want to go back and look at that. That was the warrior's house. Come on. Oh, okay. It's a it's a duplex. Anyhow, um, the brave warrior, he's running, he's running. He's found by a giant Cree. Nay, two giant Cree. And uh, it's then uh, added there that this impressive start is being uh, narrated by Hive, which is a nice... At first, I was like... Oh, I saw adaptation. Narration is a a, a key screenwriting, or pardon me, a, a, a poor screenwriting tool. But it turns out that that's serving story purpose. We'll come back to that in a moment. It turns out that the ancient man um, is brought back to the Kree ship. Blood is changing him into something new. What will he become, Pete? The Terrigen process starts with him. That's when it's revealed that he is Hive and Hive is he. And the Kree ancestors were Daisy's ancestors. And it's it's a story he's been telling Daisy, hence the uh, the voiceover. Having taken place thousands of years ago, gone through the the husk, the the change here, the transition comes to Hydra's uh, ancestors and the discussion of, of the faithful. And now it's time for their reward. Uh, they're going to recreate this Cree experiment, and they are next. Boom. We get the title card. Then back at S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ, we have Lincoln and May talking. They care about Daisy, but Lincoln's not getting top-shelf access. 
Uh, and if he wants to help, he needs to stop trying because he's not going on this mission. He's staying here, kids. Take some bench. That is story code for going to do something rash later on. Been told by by S.H.I.E.L.D. mom, S.H.I.E.L.D. aunt to stop. Not going to listen. I'm going to crawl out the, the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. basement cellar window and, and I'll show you. Go to that Hydra party and... and come back and try to sneak back in it's it's not going to work out and by hydro party i mean injecting myself with a, a drug that's not quite ready uh because don't do drugs kids fitzsimmons are doing research their antitoxin does seem to have uh some success on the parasite just one problem it might kill the host uh we get here some recap about how uh, how daisy has been turned how grant slash uh, hive took on the characteristics of her ex-boyfriend from space she wins the sad story competition pete wah, wah. <laughs> the hopelessness they have with uh you know trying to find a cure obviously it's something that that from a story sense can't come so easily it's got to be earned it's got to be something that we sacrifice for and we're not there just yet but we're getting close Matt. we are although there is one question pete fitz wonders if hive can be killed at all it there's just too many factors they need an inhuman who you know will will play ball but but all those inhumans like daisy have been taken by hive and if only we just had a, an inhuman. Just an kinda... inhuman, you say? Isn't yeah. Lincoln inhuman and a doctor? Doesn't he get the trial stage of medicine? Wait a minute, Pete. That's when Lincoln decides to volunteer. Oh, it, it, it's, it's all fallen into place here. There's a great, you noted it as well, Matt, on Twitter, a great time-lapse sequence here with Coulson, the facial recognition software, uh, turning up a bunch of uh, misses until finally we get a match and it's his, I mean his Daisy. Yeah, it's a nice... Uh little special effects moment where, where Colson's watching while people zip by apparently in, uh, in, in, in a time-lapse fashion. I had wondered if they shot that. I, I doubt they would have Clark Gregg sit motionless for the couple of hours that would take and probably just did, you know, did it through computer means, but it was, it was a nice way to show how focused Colson is on finding, finding his, his sky, his Daisy. Uh, with that, we kind of advance, uh, through cut in time mac is in the office he explains that she's in wyoming and she'll be south wyoming so exact. which we know i mean pete there's wyoming and then there's south wyoming like that's that's where it's real real rural thug um <laughs> but but holla absolutely holla on the mechanical bill y'all bull y'all um uh does she want rescuing after all, she does know how the facial recognition software works, but that's Mac's take. Uh, Coulson worries that she is a zombie under Hive, and that's that, um, which I thought was a nice flip of our expectations. Um, anyhow, we have Coulson ordering a targeted strike. It's time to kill Hive with Mac and Daisy in the lead. Boom. Clear exposition spelling out the episode. Hive in this southern Wyoming town here explains. Uh, you mean Hivesville? Copyright Fantastic Geek 2016, <laughs> Hivesville. 
in Hivesville, uh, in Wyoming here. Um, Hive is explaining that uh, picking up what we had learned before about this town, um, you know, that it went south. He calls it uh, a representation of the worst of humanity says that shield is no worse than these Cree reapers, Matt. They make soldiers. Um, and, uh, now they have these patients, these, uh, former Hydra, uh, old guard, which they are about to conduct these experiments on Dr. Radcliffe, uh, says that uh, the alien abduction story, uh, you know, they've kind of seeded in here. Um, they were asking about uh, probes and things like that. It was a cute little nod. Um, Hive hints, Matt, here at a civil war, talks about what? iron suits. What? Yeah, and, and things like that. There was some additional seeding going on throughout this episode, which culminates in the blue blood being put into these blue bloods and um, them turning into the uh, essentially the melty face guy from Indiana Jones from, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Couple of uh, couple of thoughts here in this portion of the story. A uh, I, I I do like the kind of uh, the dialogue flourish of uh, wars being made on its own by billionaire suits and government super soldiers. Hive is going to be more collectivist. Not only is that a nice way to say that, but there's also a deeper uh, story point there, which is I, I think it's saying it, it's laying fair claim to an alternate uh, story path other than we will be deeply affected by civil war. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of took that as that story is going to go on over there. We have our own crisis to deal with. That's thought number one. Thought number two, Pete, it occurred to me in this episode that um, with this now, the second episode with John Hanna. Now, am I correct, Pete, that not last week, but two weeks ago is when um, Powers Booth was killed off, correct? Yes. So I just wanted Maybe. to point out, Pete, how old do you think John Hanna is? How old do I think? Yeah. 57. Or he is 54, which means we've had the seamless transition from one male actor in his 50s to the next guest male actor in his 50s. Something that's become quite the little, uh, the little you know, flourish in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as I think they try and give Clark Gregg kind of his... His his equal, but bad. Um, Different kind of presence, though. Clearly, more comedic amid the the scientific aspiration. Um, kind of like a smarter James. Yeah. Oh, he's wonderful, and I'll I'll mention now, just in case the small detail doesn't get mentioned later, when when Mac has his showdown or shows up to talk to Daisy. There's a wide shot where where John Hanna just slinks between the medical equipment mm -hmm. to like leave, and it's just wonderful because I think that's John Hanna saying, "What would this guy do right now?" Right, he's a pompous scientist who just failed big time. Now the big guy with no powers is going to fight the smaller woman with powers. It's time to peace out, Cub Scout. <laughs> he's just great. He's wonderful. He's, he's, he's Jonathan from The Mummy, man. It's just, it's wonderful. Our TV is better having John Hanna on it. 
Act two, missiles, May, and Mac. Uh, how many others they got, though? Four. And apparently one of them has dibs on a gun, which the woman uh, tells O'Brien, the one who wants dibs on the gun, uh, sorry, I am not going to let you get that. Pete, it's it's the 21st century's reimagining of the old red shirts of Star Trek old. They're the black shirts, and one of them has the big bada-boom stick. And uh, May gets a little gun, and she wonders why everyone is all emotional over this. Which actually is a night that's a very May comment and in in character with her and in in the moment. Um, it's a, also a sneaky way to to hide our peas in the mashed potatoes because it lets Max say she was my partner. Daisy was my partner, which is going to be a larger story point, as we know. So good little sneaky exposition there, show. Yeah, her, his extra motivation here and her keeping it business like is completely within the range of their characters, which given the way it flips around towards the end with him in disbelief and her looking out the containment chamber there as they fly, fly up, uh, all comes around. Meanwhile, Pete, Dr. Campbell, Lincoln Campbell, tells Dr. Simmons that she can detox him and take his cells and infect them. Dr. Simmons disagrees. Dr. Fitz agrees with both it's just all doctor, 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 doctor. But with Fitz agreeing with both, he's not standing by his girl, by the way. I thought they were going to make story hay on that. Stick a pin in that in the future. Because Colson, not a doctor, says no to Lincoln. Pete, if that's not healthcare for you, the guy in the suit <laughs> overriding the, the doctor's call here. It's, all, it, it's just a mess down there at Shield HQ Infirmary. I, I don't want to think of Coulson as a bureaucrat, so I'm, I'm going to erase that metaphor from our minds here. Um, I liked what Simmons had to say here, pointing out that Lincoln is acting like a lovesick fool making a grand gesture. And she has now seen enough as an agent to develop the little bit of a grizzling on top of the fact that you know, her and Fitz have entered into this relationship now. Um, so clearly at the midpoint um, to to be able to say that Simmons couldn't have gotten away with uttering a line like that before. In Hivesville, Inferno likes American beer while Daisy notes that he's like a baby bird in the wild now that he's powered and not living the, the, the Ted Kaczynski life because Pete, that's what all the 24-year-olds do is make references <laughs> to the Unabomber, who I believe was captured in 1998. Um, that's just nope. what they do. A little earlier than that. <laughs> even even earlier than that? Well, there you go. Yes. Yes. Um, so it, that's just, Pete, it's what kids do. I'm probably thinking of his January 22nd, 1998 conviction. I, I do apologize. Probably, yes. But that's just, that's just what people do. Hey, it's like Ted Kaczynski, man, because I... It was not written by somebody who's probably in their 40s or 50s. I'm a real character, not a product of a writer's room. Probably distracted, too, by a couple of Alicia's. Uh, kudos, not really, to the sound department here by replacing the pinball sound effect with the pinball iPhone uh, Apple sound effect. 
Pete, I thought that we were supposed to blindly love this show at all times. What is going on here? Have we turned tide suddenly? Is this the Hydra reveal two years later? <laughs> no, you you need to dig a little deeper, go uh, down to Santa Monica, find a pinball machine, make the recording of it, and you're good to go. Wow. So you, what we need is a pinball wizard with a, maybe a such a supple wrist? By yeah. the way, Pete, Ted Kaczynski arrested April 3rd, 1996. So There you go. I was uh, in college. Uh, I, I was in high school. So um, there you go. And uh, if, we are, um, if we are using Sky and uh, if Sky is the same age that Chloe Bennett is, she was four. So, of course, she's making off the cuff Ted Kaczynski references because comedy. I don't remember who Sky is. I only know Daisy, Matt. But you know what? Let's never forget Ward, who, despite the fact he was called dead by a doctor in this episode, shout out to my Ward's warrior peeps. He still is the same guy, despite the fact he killed his family brutally and other people. Anyhow, Pete, did you know that Daisy wants to show the other side the error of their ways? She wants to give them the old the old Cree baptism and bring them on over to hashtag team and human. Make them understand here. Dr. Radcliffe, meanwhile, lamenting that the experiments didn't take hold here, but attempts to uh, blame Hive that, you know, I need the right ingredients. Um, he needs the Cree blood. And uh, he he wants this to succeed. He he wants this this big game changer that they can do here. And uh, you know it's here that Hive unsheets that device, the bigger device that they had gotten um, beneath James's. Uh, we we never did get an Australian uh, listener to to tell us what we might call the uh, portable home or the trailer. You know, I was calling it a tucker. Uh, so we're going with that beneath his tucker. Can we call the like, like like a buggery boo? I think that that's too whimsical. Okay, I think tucker. And, and and the best part is maybe it's spelled T U C K A. Maybe it's spelled T U C K E R. Who knows? I, I certainly don't know. Listen, you know what? Somebody. Call in, write in, and tell us differently. Otherwise, Tucker, it is. Back to Zephyr 1 we go. Orders are given out. Kill Hive. If not, run! And that also just highlights the fact that the only orders are to go in and find Hive and kill Hive and only do that. So, Pete, let's hope nobody deviates from that. Speaking of deviations... it's that special time in the story when deviation seeds are either planted or reaped. Back at Shield HQ, Simmons looks crabby about Fitz not agreeing. And Pete, I had the tweet typed and ready to go. How dare the show reduce the professional Simmons to moody girlfriend who like, oh, you didn't braid my hair enough and all that. But the show didn't do it. They were on the edge, but they wanted to have the moment. She tells the story uh, about keeping the work home boundaries. It's really, really nice. It's a credit to the show, to the characters, that they don't go for the cheap moment of, but you're my boyfriend and you're supposed to support me in all things because we're always a team now. 
except at work when you have different specialities and you need to work for the common good. Wonderful, wonderful scene for what it was not. Yeah, I appreciate Fitz apologizing. You know, they had disagreed. And, uh, you know, that she points out that, that she is the strong uh, young female character that she is. That if she wanted a boyfriend who would agree all the time, we get the backstory here. She wouldn't have broken up with Milton, he of the Brussels sprout head. Pete, do you think that Elizabeth Henstridge's strength in this scene was in part informed by the question she received at New York Comic Con two years ago, complimenting, it wasn't a question as much as it was a compliment, complimenting how characters such as hers are such role models for for young women everywhere? I don't see how it couldn't be. Then I would like to say to our listening audience, you're welcome. Because I asked the question, isn't that all nice? But here's what's not nice. Lincoln is injecting himself, Pete, with the drugs or the parasites or the parasite drugs. It's not good. Uh, he's tired of arguing here. Uh, he wants to be uh, able to do this. He injects it. Uh, suddenly his uh, powers go off and uh, thought the TV went off there for a second. But no, it's just an act break. We return from the act break with Lincoln saying, ah, I just wanted to help. Gasp. Ah, no, something wrong. Ah. We then move to May and company. They're, they're making their way into the town. They see James, who has an explosive personality. <laughs> hey, maybe he can help. Um, it is a wonderful moment, particularly as we've complained that Ming-Na Wen has been on the sidelines a bit much this, uh, this season, or at least this portion of the season. It makes story sense to send May in there acting vaguely kind of flirty, vaguely kind of distant, doing the whole I'm from Hydra bit. Um, he eats it up. It goes straight into his personality. He shows what he can do, which is blow up a pool ball. And uh, with that, Hydra May is all apologetic. Sorry, mister, you're one of them. Gee whiz, eyes bat bat. She takes him up on uh, the beer while James talks and talks and talks and talks and talks about how the big man is turning humans into inhumans. It's all terribly hush-hush, Pete. Is there a more fun May than undercover uh, trying to get information out of an unsuspecting male? Man. Well, I, I think the late Grant Ward would have said there is one <laughs> more May that's more fun than when she's undercover. That's when she's on top of the covers. But I digress. Yeah. And uh, the upshot here, James reveals that the big man, you know, the big man came to his tucker and took it <laughs> took the D voice from his tucker. Uh, he's, uh, he's making people into inhumans here and he'll help you to the front of the line, eh? Just like a diggery do. Just like a, just like a Sheila. <laughs> Back we go to Coulson on Zephyr One, confirming that, uh, confirming the plan, Pete. But back we go to Hive, who uh, has had Alicia get Daisy. Daisy's there, too. He notes that uh, they were both, Hive and Daisy, made by outside forces. Can she defeat what made her? Hive is going to find out that 
uh, because she wants to put her shield pals through the Kree transformation so she can save them. But what if she fails? What if he dies? What then, Pete? She's going to rip their hearts out, Matt, which Hive is relieved to hear, especially now that the plans have changed. Chloe Bennett here, when she says she's, she'll rip their hearts out, there's the smallest of smiles that comes from the corner of her mouth. It's a really, really nice acting moment. It has all this subtlety, which is, is it good Daisy trying to fight through? Is it bad Daisy who is, is eager at the thought of ripping the hearts out, but good Daisy is preventing the smile from being being bigger? There's all sorts of actorly tension there, very methody. Um, I have to compliment Chloe Bennett here on the ambiguity with which she's played Daisy over the course of these last couple episodes. I I didn't think we could get her this type of material and and she's done a good job with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The story moves back to shield HQ Fitz is patching up Lincoln, but they're not on the same side on this issue. Regardless, we won't know where the process is up to until Simmons does a tissue sample from his head, a story point that we don't completely return to. So I'm thinking maybe that got cut for time. Well, I think the point was he he leapt without looking and Simmons points out to him that he would have known she would have needed a sample from his brain had he listened. Yeah, but it would have been so cool to do some kind of special effects thing where she's like drilling all in there and like we don't see it. And what we don't see is worse in our minds because he's facing the camera and she's behind him. And she's this like is a week out after having jabbed a needle in a guy's eye. So I, I don't think we necessarily needed to go there. The other thing that bears mentioning is that uh, half of the computers in the lab were fried by Lincoln's little stunt. And, and the servers, too. See, Pete, when you're so clandestine that the government doesn't acknowledge your existence, it's really tough backing up to the cloud. Um <laughs> Just it's it's a whole server farm thing, you know. It's much better to save locally. Anyhow, back to May and James. He finally spills that uh, hives in the mining facility, or some stuff is in the mining facility. It's time to go to the mining facility. So May smacks his head, and uh, with that, Ground Force Alpha, as I like to call them, is moving in. Pete's safeties are always off. Yeah, and uh, May continues to talk up um, James here. Uh, she's fainting that she's impressed with all the information and uh, about Hive, who James describes as having a real Ziggy Stardust vibe. Nice little um, nod there to the late David Bowie. Uh, ground Team Alpha makes it to the middle of the barn. Something is on its way. Ground team must exit. Go, go, go. Intercut with Shield HQ showing something zooming in really fast. Intercut with Hive saying that the ones who made him are coming. Boom, big explosion. They land. Coulson says it's the Kree. And we see them. So it is. Act break. Right. From the WWE satellite, apparently. Oh, yeah. Act four in a really rapidly moving episode here we start with daisy in front of a beautiful stained glass window in the hivesville town chapel 
the Cree are there. Uh, he, Hive, sent them a signal from the artifact that he recovered under James Tucker. These are Reapers. They are here explicitly to hunt. And uh, Hive explains that they are his greatest fear. And uh, he needs their hearts ripped out um, in what wasn't apparently a metaphor to uh, Daisy before. Indeed. You always have to be, you have to be clear whether your language is figurative or literal. Meanwhile, May and Mac and the little black shirt division there, they've seen big footprints because I guess they couldn't see the giant Cree coming out because they were running so much. Anyhow, Alicia attacks one Cree, you know, using all her multiple forms. And uh, I have to say, Pete, I kind of felt bad for how quickly she was uh, she was uh, blown through here. I know it was just just copies of the copies sort of thing. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's something just endearing about the character. Do we know that uh, OG Alicia is is somewhere that that those weren't? Well, one of them wasn't her i mean listen it's a convenient thing that oh i was back behind the barn and those were my doubles that i felt them but i'd hate to think that this actress uh who also happens to be a stunt woman as we explained last week for the show you know uh suddenly doesn't have this role anymore um you know pete you raise a good question because og alicia has the white eyes when she's multiplied right I guess I, I, I think that's I, what I'm we always were. trying to, you know, when it, when it goes on there, trying to figure out where, where's the real one, like our characters would. Right. Right. Um, I, I think one of them that was killed did have the white eyes and we and, had that shot, you know, the, the Cree with the ax here, you know, the, the point of view shot where he just brings it down and, you know, is it is it convenient of course for them to say like i intimated before that oh she was elsewhere and and those were just doubles and she felt it but you know it would also be completely within the realm of possibility that he got them the main one there that's why there was a little bit more emphasis to it well i guess uh, i guess ultimately at the end of the day time will time will tell but if it is r.i.p alicia then R.I.P. Alicia. May and uh, Mac are watching the Cree from afar. They're tearing through Hydra and humans alike. Uh, Coulson tells them to follow the distance, but with one uh, quake, uh, Mac wants to go rescue his old partner, uh, so he he splits off. The Cree being trailed by May and the other ones uh, then goes after Dr. Radcliffe. There's a quick fight where Daisy seems not to want to use her powers and she does i know mary kirk had commented she still seems a little reluctant there which i think is a nice uh nice excuse to have the fight that could have been overpowered and it results pete with uh daisy breaking the kree's spine crunch yeah um (laughs) now uh the doctor gets to drain it there hive meanwhile he spent a thousand years wondering if the uh the blue angels would return funny. They're smaller than he remembered here, but uh, talks about Providence, the, the hand guiding 
the will of God here to bring them back. And uh, what guides it now? Well, it's a bunch of punches. References made, speaking of uh, speaking of funny things, I believe it's by one of the uh, ground team alpha that refers to Cree number two as Papa Smurf. That was uh, worth a good chuckle. Um, back to the garage we go. The blood is being drained from the other Cree, and uh, Dr. Radcliffe is very, very happy with the blood they're getting. There's a whole big shaky blood machine thing. It's very technical, and uh, he feels they'll have him drained within the hour. With that, Mac arrives, and here, Pete, is this, in the wonderful wide shot, just Dr. Radcliffe slinking away. It's, it's, it's a little moment made big by the actor. Um, but more importantly, Pete, we have Daisy and Mac confronting each other, Daisy revealing that she wants to turn Mac. Yeah, Mac wants her to come with him, but she had told Fitz in the previous episode and telling us and Mac now uh, to stay away. Um, but there's the lack of understanding here. Uh, and Mac wants to know, you, you're, you're trying to help us. Well, how exactly does murdering a blue alien, how's that going to help? Well, I'm going to make you, we're going to make you inhuman, Mac. That takes us to the act break. And after it, we're back right where we left uh, everybody here. Daisy says she doesn't need saving. This is the real her. She notes with a bit of uh, a veiled metaphor here. She notes that she's saved like once a season. Um, she doesn't need to be saved this time. She was saved from being a hacker, saved from her uh, from her parents. And you know what S.H.I.E.L.D. has done to them, Pete? Like to her, the former hacker, to, to Mac, the former mechanic. It's made them into like kick-ass hot secret agents. I hate you, S.H.I.E.L.D. I hate you. Yeah. Um, you suck, Dad. It, it's a great monologue from the standpoint of pointing out the distortion that she's under. Um, a lot of other people would be grateful for what they've become, but there's that dual edged sword of, okay, we, we live a life now even more on the run than we did before that we're at the fore of this particular conflict. Um, really appreciate the line here. Colson's team of misfit toys. What does that make us here? Well, Mac comes back to the heart of this as, as he always is. We're friends, we're partners, but Hey, yeah, Bobby was your partner. And isn't she off making a pilot now? What now she left us. And now there's rumors that the most wanted, you know, might not be picked up to series. It's just drama everywhere, Pete. Um, but I think you you focus here on an important subtext. There's a level of reality in this show, which is pretty high. But then there's a there's, then there's just a point where it's supposed to be action adventure fun, and we don't really fault the show for Daisy's being saved from hacker to secret agent, and then being saved from crazy parents to super powered. We just kind of go, yeah, that's her trajectory. It's the fun show with the superpowers. And we're not with her on this complaint here. Obviously, it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not Agents of Hive or whatever. And it's a really subtle way. An episode that, while while good, is not, you know, this isn't Watchdogs kind of level metaphor here. Um, it's a nice opportunity to just say, 
well, wait, I understand Daisy's argument, but the conclusion is nonetheless a bad one because it shouldn't be, I hate you, S.H.I.E.L.D., for making me a kick-ass hot secret agent. It should be, this is pretty great, and now I have a de facto family where I didn't with Rising Tide three years ago. It's that familiarity that breeds contempt, and it's played so well here. Um, Daisy gives him one last out, thinks he should leave right now. He, of course, the big gesture puts down the gun and points out that apparently part of her wants to come back. That's how they found her. There was the accident with the facial recognition software. Um, the same thing is inside her here resisting, but she admits she slipped up because she's not thinking straight really well written through these particular characters it is particularly she's stressing here she wasn't thinking straight because she wasn't thinking like a spy and that that was a moment where i said oh wait a minute maybe despite all this haze of yeah but it's a fun action adventure show like maybe you can as a character want out of this life maybe you can just want something that approaches normalcy and you're not getting that. And they're, they're giving her such balance in this. Uh, Pete, I genuinely don't know how they're going to write their way out in the next three episodes. You referenced the uh, Watch Dogs episode before, Matt. So here it comes that he's been like a big brother to her. But he struggles to be the brother to his actual brother. So it's only hurting the ones we love here. The mean thing she can now turn this around on. He wants her to leave his brother Ruben out of this. Um, and they throw down. But not before he takes out the Cree. So there goes your remaining source of blood and all that. Uh, then they throw down. He gets thrown down out the door, courtesy of a blast. And uh, that gets intercut. I thought nicely we have the Cree uh hive fight and the daisy mac fight um the difference being mac isn't really fighting back and um in an episode that's not as as noted not um big on subtlety i appreciate that they didn't oversell how she breaks one of his arms then she breaks the next as this fight uh escalates although it's a one-sided escalation yeah, and while this is going on here, um, Daisy says to him that she wanted him to be a part of this. May and the agents are watching the Hive Cree fight with uh, with interest, to say the least. The one agent thinks that Big Blue might win. However, May points out that Hive seems to be nursing a thousand-year-old grudge. Pete, when Big Blue fights the guy in the black suit, nobody wins. Matt, I just want to read from my notes here from a second. Please do. I say, I, I write, face erased. <laughs> May shoots. Uh, shoulder. Th that is true. It, that that hive, what I said in my notes, dusts the Cree. Um, but then... With the Kree now defeated here, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. has to take the shot. There's not just one shot, Pete. There's lots and lots of shots, including the big gun. Kind of that update from the Terminator 2, ba-ding, dunk, kind of 
whatever gun. I'm sure Mike Sorensen will let us know. Um, uh, the noisy cricket. Uh, sure. That's well, what it's called. <laughs> oh. If we're talking about Men in Black, yeah. Um, sure. I like to call it the big dunk because that's what it sounds like when you put the big bullet thing in there. Anyhow, bottom line, Pete, none of it has a lasting effect except on his wardrobe. You know what I mean? His wardrobe? Oh, wow. It really is all connected. Meanwhile, Daisy is beating Mac more and more. He says she doesn't need to do this. And it's increasingly clear that she's ready to kill him. And I'm like, but Mac doesn't have a, a crucifix around his neck. They're not in space. What's going on? Um, speaking of S.H.I.E.L.D. shooting, someone from S.H.I.E.L.D. then shoots her. And uh, the emergency evac is called in. Pete, it's the Wonka room. In, in the Wonka Vader. The Wonka Vader, yes. Um, that's a nice use of that as the emergency evac, especially if someone is is injured. They've shown some decent restraint with not dropping that in as often maybe as a story would call for it. So I have to give them kudos there. Um, Daisy was telling uh, Mac here that they had this connection, that it was real. And she's going for the heart here, Matt. She was going to Mola Ram him. Uh, take that thing right out and probably sacrifice it to uh, Kali, Ma, and to Ward and and Hive and the Cree and all that good stuff. Maybe take a, a bite out of it, Iron Chef style. But she stopped. And um, <clears throat> there, there's just these nice moments here. Uh, the, that chamber comes down and May looking out as they head back up. Back on Zephyr 1, good news, Pete, Mac doesn't die this time. He's being patched up, and uh, Simmons gives us a little update there. She can't believe that Daisy did this here, um, but it doesn't matter, says uh, female agent, that uh, nothing could stop that Cree. We get a little uh, recap here, building on that uh, hive who wants to turn humans into inhumans despite their genetic markers. Uh, we also find out that uh, Lincoln is on the mend. The mission has failed, though. Daisy isn't back. Hive is still alive. It's all bad news. Why didn't someone tell Lincoln sooner? It's because he needed to rest. Oh, man, Pete. Heading towards what would have ended the act, if not for a little movie coming out in a couple days, he starts to complain, and that's Pete when he gets the bad news. Yeah, his immune system, Matt, is uh, not in good shape. A sneeze could kill him. He apologizes. He didn't know what to do. Simmons admits none of them know what to do right now. But hey, silver lining. We can at least tell Colson uh, we might have a cure, right, Matt? No, no, we don't. The antitoxin didn't what? work. What? Snap to kind of end the act. No. Um, and uh, Hive with this blue heart now in his hands. Uh, Dr. Radcliffe had riffed it out as disgust. Um, but the discussion comes back to Daisy and that she seems to have failed. Matt, she's left Hive with questions. Can she be trusted? Um, but she says, no, she's finished with, uh, shield and, um, 
they talk about the DNA that uh, Hive needs here to complete the experiments, that she has it in her blood, that Coulson used it to bring her back after Quinn, you know, Ian Quinn, uh, shot her, you know, more than two years ago. <laughs> that's from the that's from the the Quinn podcast, which was the timely named Agents of Shield podcast because they knew that was always going to be a thing, right? Yes, the Ian Quinn um, Agents of Shield podcast. Uh, but the final line here, Matt, drain me. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, we begin the dawn of Hive. I like that we get this little backstory for him. Uh, slight red flag in that uh, now that I'm okay with them keeping Brett Dalton for, for season four, I'm now worried, you know, once we get the sympathetic backstory, what comes next? You know, are we going to lose him? Uh, I, I'm now concerned about that. Uh, but I, I don't know. I like, I like the story that they present with Hive's backstory here. That that he was made a monster out of uh, out of just a guy, a guy living his life, doing his thing. I I think that making him originally human is a smart move, but I don't buy it given what we've had of the character so far. Um, I would have surely said he was extraterrestrial in origin. Um, it gives you great character stuff to work with that he has this connection to humanity, but he's been operating at such a distance from humanity that I think it it's a little hard to buy. I agree that it it took me for a little loop. Uh, I was like, did we know this? Did we is this just kind of filling in, filling in things that have been said, but not shown. I think though, Pete, your larger concern that he has this extraterrestrial distance and now they've taken away the extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial portion, the time that he spent on, on Maveth, I think becomes the excuse. It becomes the, the rationale. And maybe it's this link to humanity that also is, is some kind of, I won't say redemption for Ward, but maybe it's some sort of path by which the character of Hive will exit and we'll still get, you know, Brett Dalton showing up to work every day next season. At his most threatening, he's this force where, like with Radcliffe tonight, he says, you know, I'll, I'll kill you. I'll, I'll inhabit your body. I'll, I'll have the knowledge that way. To think that he began as a human, I think, diminishes that scary nature that i will i will definitely agree with um but definitely having started human i think there's no there's no debate there is uh daisy who continues her her walk on the dark side here pete almost uh killing mac the universally beloved character the hurtful things she says followed of course by the the hurtful things she does to him really sell it that there is no I'm holding back inside here. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to leave a trail of breadcrumbs so you can come rescue me. 
it, it was not a ruse with Fitz last week. Stop trying to rescue me. This was clearly not her holding back. She was going to deliver uh, the death blow um, had she not been interrupted. So there's going to have to be some other kind of uh, save for her, Matt, if she's to be saved. What, Pete? How, how do you do it, what with your advanced knowledge and stuff? Last on the old dossier here, Pete, I, I can imagine what the casting call looked like. Wanted, gentleman of height and muscle, uh, can fight, comma, swings swords and axes, comma, must be able to withstand hours of blue makeup. You've read my mind. You know, must must be in the chair at 4.30 <laughs> for head-to-toe, uh, you know, uh, blue face there. Um, I, I doubt they blew themselves. Pete, we know so well that of course they didn't blew themselves. That that's you know, there's a great makeup team, hair and makeup team. And uh though they didn't have a ton of dialogue, the Cree, I thought that uh they were they were effective baddies. They're what they need to be here and hearing about these Reapers and what their whole intent is coming back to the origin story with hive that he was abducted, that he was experimented upon, that he's become this dreadful thing and that he's summoned them now because he needs their blood. It, it comes full circle. Uh, the makers become the makeys and now, uh, absent their blood because it kind of backfires um, going to take it out of Daisy. It's going to be interesting to see where we go. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, Daisy has Cree blood. Is there another character on this show that has Cree blood running through his veins that maybe resurrected him from death? Nope, not a viable story option in the next uh, two weeks and three hours of TV. Not at all. Well, let's just move on then. <laughs> well, wait. Though you mention it, Pete, I was re-watching The Avengers this past week as I look forward to seeing Avengers 3, Captain America Civil War. <laughs> um, I'm reminded that Coulson died, and then in the TV show, he was alive, and he came back because of the GH324 or whatever. 325. You were 325. one off. Wow. 324 three, animates, reanimates animals. Okay, got it. Um, and then when he found the, 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 the place that had the tube, it had a Cree guy. Yes. Wait a minute, Pete. Hold on. Wasn't Coulson brought back to life with Cree blood? He was. So wait, there's now two people who have Cree. Pete, are you saying that they're going to kill off Coulson at the end of his own TV show? Well, one of them is inhuman. One of them is not. One of them has a go-go gadget hand though yes um so well the, the, joking aside aren't they both options if you want to get Cree blood like could yeah, it be like I think take it, it, me save her it, it's it's too easy oh drain me drain daisy of the Cree blood knowing that there's other Cree blood out there matt maybe there's a need for more well, thank goodness that we have three more episodes over over the next two weeks with that special two hour finale, because uh, it sounds like we have plenty of story story opportunities. And though this was not 
a phenomenal episode. Certainly much, or at least parts of it, were to set up where things are going to be headed from here. I can't believe that there's only three episodes left because I feel like there's so, so much story potential. And that's a good thing to, to, to experience when you have three episodes to go. Do you buy when Simmons tells Lincoln that the um, <clears throat> the experiment did not work? Well, I mean, what do you what do you as Simmons gain from making? Oh, I don't think it's a lie. I, I'm I'm talking, you know, down the road. Oh, wait, Lincoln, your 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 white cells are suddenly showing a resistance. The old fake out of it didn't work. Wait, something's happening. You mean like maybe Lincoln Lincoln will die and then be dead for one episode and then at the end of the next episode will suddenly go, <gasps> I'm alive. Cause that would be selling a death and then not kind of really kind of honoring that in a story. So I hope they don't do that. Let's not crap on Game of Thrones here for a second, okay? Because, you know, you, you we can agree to disagree. That was handled and I think handled better than uh, than you clearly think it was. Well, I, I will defer to the, to the expert on this in, in all sincerity because I forgot character names having <laughs> not watched the show since January, since my epic 50 episode. <laughs> Binge. On on these characters, Matt, do you do you think that's something that could happen, or is it definitively nope? What Lincoln did to himself, red herring, never coming back to it. Well, I mean, you, you need to restore him to health. I I continue to think of what I believe to be as an overriding production principle, which is smart people would bet that the fourth season is the last season, at least for ABC. Because the ratings, the live ratings continue to slowly erode. It does pretty well. You know, it's a top 25 show with live plus seven. But, you know, what exactly does that mean? So I think that when you are in the writer's room setting things up for season four, if you're Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancherowen, you're not like, you know what, let's, let's write off a character and break everyone's hearts a major character. It's not, you know, one of the one of the original six. I don't think they're looking to do things like that when they must know that the business may end their show in a year. So what do you get to go, oh man, or even a newer character? Like, you know, Lincoln is one of the team. He's fully, fully integrated into it to sit and go, oh man, and Lincoln was killed that day because he injected himself and blah, blah, blah. What do you get for that when it's just a matter of, we want Luke Mitchell to come back for 10 more months in the final season of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that's where their instincts are. And I think that that's something that's driving the story and driving the, the in-universe stuff. Transmissions. Open the mailbag. Let's check the wire. Pete, we got a great uh, tweet from Mary Kirk. And, uh, and she said the following. She asked, uh, do you think we're back to Lash? And I said, uh, what do you mean? I didn't quite understand. She said, they didn't kill him, did they? Just put him on ice? Wouldn't they unleash him on Hive? So, Pete, I'll put it to you. I mean, I know that you've seen the future. So let's start with this. <laughs> Pete, how do you like the premise of her question? 
I mean, it makes sense. Um, he's still hanging out there. Um, I, I think we need to fundamentally understand what Hive is uh, and, and fully fleshing that out in this episode that he is a human um, made inhuman by the Kree who then underwent this dastardly evolution that ultimately cultivated his time on uh, Mabeth and capable of absorbing um, a, a life force, a identity, if you will, from other people. So Lash as an anti-inhuman inhuman makes a lot of sense. How do you position the players that he doesn't come in like a deus ex machina? I, I, I agree. And I think that it certainly is possible. And the fact that, um, the fact that Lash was the Lash story was put on pause, leaving room for, um, for, uh, redemption and so on and so forth. That is notable. Um, but you know, it's like I start to worry that they're going to have so much going on in these next three episodes that it'll it'll feel overstuffed. Or in the writers' room, might have been like, hey, "Don't forget Lash, don't forget Lash," and then they might just have to axe that. Uh, certainly, Pete, time will tell. It doesn't seem like there's poised to be as many reveals as we had last year in the finale. I just remember that being one thing after another, after another, after another in that two hour finale. And we're setting up the same way this year around. I, I think it's, it's going to be, you know, everything's driving towards this big reveal. Well, who, who's, who's the fallen agent? Who's the fallen agent? Um, it's not that simple. Ooh, exciting stuff. Pete, a couple more tweets here uh, from Inc. Says, that's I-N-C underscore says. Uh, the comment here that uh, particularly when fighting uh, when fighting Hive, S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to take a cue from Ripley. Use a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to see the, the Hydra head again. You know, we've only seen it from the, the back three quarter. Yes. But uh, kill that thing with fire. Absolutely. Let's look forward to that. Amidst the other, uh, the other things that need to be done in the next three episodes, uh, yeah. Let's let's see let's see Hydra from the front. Last tweet here, Pete. A, a forward-looking tweet. Uh, I of course uh, did not watch the Captain America Civil War little exclusive preview thing that they had. Previews, Matt. You're cute. Previews. Well, whatever it was. And, no, uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I've I've seen the movie at this point that, you know, that now you all need to be teased with, uh, you know, the, the the slightest bit from the film. I, what's it like, man? What's it like being held back? Pete, all I know is that I don't know much. Although I did hear about uh, about uh, Elizabeth Olsen's uh, uh, the dress she wore at the European premiere. I I, I did I did happen to peruse uh, a little bit about that, but that's not the focus of this last tweet here. Uh, Tony W, who goes by Abe Froman on Twitter, but that's Abe with a three instead of the E and a zero instead of the O. The sausage king of Chicago. Absolutely. Um, 
he has a little little tip here. It's a spoiler, actually, about the movie, Pete. So I want people to know I'm sharing this because I think it's safe to hear, even if you want to be spoiler pure. He says, of Captain America Civil War, spoiler, no one's mom is named Martha. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I will reply to that, um, not with spoilers, but with fact. Um, we shoot it down the middle. Uh, we we have no bias since we both began our our comic uh, origin stories. Matt put us on the DC side, both with Superman. Um, here's all you need to know is that Captain America Civil War has now broken Batman v Superman's advanced ticket sale record and will shatter its uh, opening weekend record this coming four day weekend. So look forward to, you know, sometime Sunday, uh, you know, after we've dropped our podcast for that movie, knowing I was correct. Uh, you'll be able to see initial box office articles being written midday on Saturday to give an indication where things are headed. And certainly things are probably headed, uh, headed pretty big. Pete, speaking of things heading in a big direction, I want to thank everybody who's headed over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek, where they have checked out some ways uh, that they can uh, help make the podcast happen. What with those, uh, Speaking of uh, saving to the cloud, all the saving to the cloud and the bandwidth and the storage and the the techity tech tech. Uh, so I want to give a thanks to those that have uh, checked it out and uh, encourage those who haven't checked it out yet to take a peek. Lots of great perks, more coming. Uh, there's even a secret one on there, Matt. There is. And probably by month's end be another secret one. You never know. No, no, another secret something. Um in fact, Pete, I have a I have an idea I haven't even shared with you yet. So that's how that's how secret it is. It's not known to half the Fantastic Geek team. See, what Matt doesn't know is that as spoiler Pete, I already know the ideas he thinks he hasn't shared with me. Wow. Wow. Well, Pete, here's something I know you have shared and I can share with you and with everybody, which is how to get in touch with you on the Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K T L A R 7,651 followers. Can't be wrong. While I am personally on Twitter as looking back lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a whole variety of ways, a, a, a hive of ways, you might say. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with the PH. You can find us under that name on the dot com, the Gmail, the Twitter, the Instagram, and more. Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH. We're closing in on some milestones there. Like it and be a part of that. Fun, fun, fun. Well, Pete, as previously mentioned, we'll be back uh, on Thursday to wrap up season two of Daredevil. We'll be back uh, this weekend to talk about uh, to talk about Captain America. Uh, Civil War. Also want to let everybody know, if you have Marvel movies on the brain, head on over to FantasticGeek.com, click on the Marvel Movies tab. We have links to every Marvel movie that we have covered, which is, uh, let me just double check here, every Marvel movie. <laughs> All so, 12 of them, a 13th coming this weekend. You could sit and, and go through a, a huge marathon of 
of watching them to get ready or at your cubicle on the bus ride in the car you could punch these up and get a get a verbal uh you know refresher in terms of that it's up to you either either way you want to go is is gonna work i'm i'm going back watching through a, a couple right now but uh we're there for you pete i i'm sure if you go back and listen to the iron man one we think that this nick fury guy might show up again it's really exciting stuff it is well with that pete i will say adios to all our listeners can't wait until we get together again and uh give you the final word drain me <laughs> <laughs>